Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Making Action Happen. I'm Sarah Blackhurst. And I am Brian McCain. So this is kind of a special episode, and it's a little bit late, uh, and so we apologize for that. But honestly, we didn't realize how popular this particular episode is, and we've done it for, what, three years now? This yep. will be our fourth year or something the Halloween, like that. Or this is our third. I don't know. The Halloween, our Halloween Our episode. Halloween episode. So... Uh, there's this thing. I love stories. I always want to know everybody's stories. I'll often greet you with what good stories do you have for me? So Brian, I have no idea what Brian's going to share today, but he's got some good Halloween. So this is get ready for your spooky Colorado. Maybe true. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm very excited about this episode. So, okay. So the last few times we've done this, we looked up urban legends. Like we talked about UFOs in the Valley, cattle mutilations, um, the Espinosa brothers, Pigman at city park. Um, yes. Haunted grave, the honor farm. Like, so all this stuff that's kind of local stuff. So, um, I have a few more of those, but I was thinking, so I, I reached out to some people that I was in the military with and some other old stuff. Um, old, previous careers, just like asking spooky stories. So, um, I did get some military ones. So (gasps) I was going to, I was going to do this one, like not necessarily, uh, based off of urban legends or, you know, Google, like most haunted places in Colorado. Oh, the Stanley hotel kind of thing. Um, which by the way, my in-laws stay at the Stanley every year because they love horror movies and horror stuff. And Halloween's our favorite holiday <laughs> in my family, including my wife and kids. Yeah, um, maybe Christmas like is number stuff. one, Halloween's number two, but they're they're pretty even. It's like my kids have two to three costumes for Halloween, so they got their school costume, their pre-Halloween costumes when you go to parties or gatherings or whatever. And then they have their scary Halloween costume, which unfortunately you cannot wear scary Halloween costumes to school anymore, which um, I'm like, I'm all about freedom. And if my kid wants to dress up as Pennywise the clown in second grade, he should be able to, but apparently that's not allowed. (laughs) And your wife decorates inside and out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really serious. It's good. Um, and you but, do like this creepy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, but I never dress up for Halloween, which is really funny. Um, although last year I went as myself for Halloween with a mask of myself on Halloween. <laughs> anyway, so, that. so, the, so this one, it, instead of really concentrating on the urban legends and the local stories, I decided to do the like third party stories or the hearsay. Like oh, this yes. is all hearsay. Like, you know, you hear it and, and it's specifically, it kind of goes to the, um, UFO stuff we're hearing now because we have like David Grush and these whistleblowers and other than the the pilots that, you know, saw the stuff and they're like, this is what we saw. But a lot of this stuff going on in Congress with the UFOs, it, it's always like hearsay. It's like, well, I heard of these programs. They did this. Like right. David Grush said, like, there's programs. We have like crashed vehicles and it's all stories he has read about or heard about, but never firsthand experience. So... With the theme of that, I thought, like, here's some stories of people that I've been in the military with, known all my life, um, and, and not just the average person. I'm talking about people that, you know, one's the 
director of a huge program with DOD and aerospace that is like the expert and guy in charge of this major program stuff he's seen. And, um, but I'll tell one of my own. So, um, yes, this one is, it's not, (laughs) this is different. So I I was going to call it the, the time I met a man in black. So as you know, there is the legend of the men in black. Now we've all seen the movie, the Will Smith movie and the, the later one and stuff. So the men in black are like these guys that there's a UFO or ghost or paranormal conspiracy. And you have these men in black that work for the government or maybe affiliated or who knows. They're just like these dudes in black suits that show up and like ask questions. And all the reports say they're like very weird, like no sense of humor, kind of look different, like straight face, like, you know, no smile, no cringe, just like show up to the house, ask questions about like, oh, I saw a UFO. And then these two dudes show up at my house in black suits and ask me questions about it. And then they, they Wait, leave. This really happened. Allegedly, this happens to people that see UFOs. Oh, and there's okay. like actual video on YouTube where you could see where it's like, you know, men in black came to my work because I saw a UFO and, you know, there's like yeah. video of them walking in. I think a lot of it's like marketing campaigns for the TV show, The Fringe, because there's always a man in black in the background when that show is on. But anyway, it's been going on since like the 70s. So like the men in black movie with Will Smith was actually a comic book and it was about government agents that there's like aliens and monsters and ghosts and stuff. And they're just trying to keep it hush hush because nobody needs to know about this because civilization will fall apart. So the men in black's job is to go and fix these, you know, it's like, Oh, it was just swamp gas. And then they fight the aliens or whatever on the side. So I'm sitting in work and, um, gosh, this was about 10 years ago and working for the government, We'll just put it out there. But um, there was a bad natural disaster in Colorado and some of the surrounding states. And so FEMA, how FEMA works, most people don't realize this. So when you don't, there's people that work for FEMA full time. Right. But there's people that are like assigned to FEMA and deployed with FEMA. And the ATF is kind of this way too. So it's like, say there's a forest fire or um, some natural disaster in your state. And then FEMA is mobilized, which, you know, FEMA, their job is not to directly stop the emergency. FEMA is really there to take care of after. Yeah, like a lot of people get this crew. confused. So right. not only a scary story, but um, maybe a scary government story where it's like FEMA didn't do anything for us. Like, well, that's not their job. Like yeah. their job is to come in, provide funding, mitigate this the best as possible. Like yeah. they have the federal government backing them. It's like. These houses were destroyed. Okay, FEMA is going to come in and give trailers for people to live in until insurance kicks in and they could, you know, get money or whatever. So um, this guy from FEMA shows up at the office, and we knew somebody from FEMA was coming in. And so I get a knock on the door, and there's this dude, appropriately in a black suit with a hat, like a fedora hat, which in the men in black stuff, they always have that. So this guy comes in and I, if this guy, Hey, if you're listening, I forget your name, but if you're listening, show at action22.org. Cause I want like some explanation of this. So this guy <laughs> comes in, I know somebody from FEMA is coming in this week and he comes in and he's like, Hey, I'm so-and-so from FEMA. I'm like, Oh, cool. And he comes in and I had this map of the state. Wait, wait, back up for a second. So he's very average looking. 
Yeah, white just like male, a tall white dude. And he's wearing a hat. Did he take the hat off when he came in? Yes. Came in? Okay. He took okay. it off and set it on the table because we had a table right there and he took it off and set oh, it down. okay. Introduced himself. Never gave me a card. This is where it gets weird. So he's like, yeah. hey, I'm from FEMA. And I'm like, oh, cool. And um, he's looking at the map. He's like, yeah, you know, this is what's going on. I'm deployed out of, um, I think it was either Nebraska or Utah or Wyoming. It was one of the surrounding states. He's like, yeah, I work for the Forest Service. Like normally, I'm, I think he said like a public affairs guy right. or something like that. And he's like, I got mobilized and I took this. So we're just doing our outreach to all the offices and you know, local government and stuff is a resource, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, cool. And, and it, he's just checking the box. So he, th- when things like this happen and you work in a congressional office, you meet with people and it's just checking the box. Yeah. Like regardless if they're, if you need their help or not, they're kind of required. And it's a c- courtesy yeah. to say like, Hey, we're in town. We're here I'm gonna meet with blah, the congressional blah, blah. staff, yeah. the local government staff, the state staff, all this stuff. This is me. I'm a resource. Use me. That's it. So he sits down. He's like, yeah. And we're talking about the fire. And um, or it might have been the mudslide. I can't remember, but it was something like that. And um, he's like, well, you know, my, uh, oh, you cover the San Luis Valley. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's in our area. Does he ever go down there? I'm like, oh, yeah. And he's like, you ever go to the UFO watchtower? And I'm like, <gasps> I'm like no. And he's like, oh, well, my girlfriend, which right there is odd because the guy's like 60-ish. And he's referring right. to his girlfriend. Girlfriend, like normally when somebody is that age, they're like, you know, my partner or my wife, or you know, most they don't it's like a sixty-year-old man, and is, they don't usually get that familiar that quick. Yeah, right? and they don't, and like it was just odd that this like very put together government kind of bureaucrat dude's it's like my start. girlfriend. I'm like, okay, okay. He's like, you know, she's really interested in UFOs and like crystal healing and stuff and Bigfoot. And like, we have a lot of Bigfoot sightings where I'm at and I've never seen Bigfoot, but we get a lot there and we investigate every report. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. In Nebraska. Yeah. Wherever he was from Utah, Nebraska, somewhere, okay. wherever Squatch is out there also in Colorado right now, which we'll talk about that in a second. Oh yay. Um, anyway, so he keeps asking these questions like, okay, I'm like, okay, like, well, with the fire or whatever it was, I'm like, this is what we're doing. Um, we have the emergency management center here, like they're up and running, um, communication. This is our press guy, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, have you ever been to the UFO watchtower? And I'm like, no. And he's like, do you get a lot of reports from constituents down there about UFOs? I'm like, yeah, every now and then, like, you know, it's the Valley. It's kind of crazy. Of and that's like the history and the culture of the Valley. And he's like, is there anywhere I could read about this more? I'm like, I no, Yeah. And then he's like, well, if I came back, would you take me down there and introduce me to the UFO watchtower people and maybe talk to some of these people about the cattle mutilations and UFO. And he's and here like, for a mudslide or a fire. Yeah. Whatever it was. Okay, it was some yeah. natural disaster. I think it was a fire at the time. You'll have to go back like 2015 ish to uh-huh. see what was going on. Probably a lot of fires. <laughs> and, um, I asked too many questions. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I think it was a fire. I mean, again, there were so many fires in the past 10 years. I yeah. Can't remember. And a lot of FEMA dudes, but, um, He's like, okay, okay. He's like, well, if I come back, can you introduce me to some people down there and, and talk about like the cattle mutilations and like the black helicopters? And I'm like, this is really weird for, yeah. And I thought maybe Absolutely, he just had an interest I in can. it, you know, but it was weird that he, he turned the conversation into this and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, well, I got to go to a meeting. Nice to meet you. And he's like, yeah, nice to meet you too. I'm like, I didn't catch your name. And it was something like, he's like, I'm Steve. And I'm like, do you have a card? And he's like, no, they haven't given me any cards yet. And he left. And I was like, okay, I get it. Like maybe he's like, again, a, a park ranger in 
Wyoming or Utah or something. And Forest a, Ranger like and a black doesn't get out. With a lot, a you know, like maybe it's like cool. Like maybe his girlfriend really was into UFOs and like Crestone, Colorado, and right. like the monks and Buddhist stuff right. there because it, it is kind of the capital for Crestone Colorado. Is with that, pretty cool. And um, and, and you know, and like he never said he never gave me a card, no contact information. Just said he'd get a hold of me. Well, two days later. The FEMA guy showed up and I was like, what? I was like, yeah, your buddy's here. Your buddy was here. I was like, he's asking about like Bigfoot and UFOs and stuff. He's like, no, nobody from FEMA has been here. Uh-uh. I was like, what? And I, I called up my boss at the time. I was like, I think I just got visited by men in black. And there was like no record of a FEMA guy coming to our office. But the thing is he had information. Like about he left you. a handout about like the numbers of calls. So, so it's just like either some random dude showed up. And, and acted like he was a FEMA, FEMA guy, guy, but he had the information to back it up and he knew more than anybody else did. That is but creepy. FEMA was like, or they're trolling me this whole time too. It could oh, be that. It could be a joke. Because I would could, totally do that to somebody when I Oh, you would that. totally do that. So, yeah. So that but was my man in black. That's it not, was like, it's not easy to pull a prank on you. No, but that one was just so weird. That is bizarre. super weird. Um, and so do you think, that, do you think, okay, let's go with the, a man in black theory. So why you? I don't know. Maybe I was Googling UFOs on a government computer all the time. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was, it was, to this day, it was so bizarre. It was like this guy showed up and claimed to be this dude, nothing to gain from it, asked a lot of weird questions and left. And then FEMA came and they're like, no, we never sent anybody. This is the guy for the region. So that's like, and for awesome. somebody to know how FEMA works like that, it's just, ah. it, again, maybe it was a prank show, but I, I don't know. But and anyway. you never heard or saw from him again? No, never, never again. And even, even Scott asked me about it, like, later he's like did you ever hear what happened to this guy and, and josh who i used to work with too he's like that's weird like we tried to find the guy at the same time my coworkers would play many pranks on me and jokes and i don't think this was one because they were just like dumbfounded and it's not that funny if it was like no it's a little anyway so so also during this time we saw we had a bigfoot sighting in colorado okay where um, so I think it was in, I'm going to pull that up right now. You know, you know what my, you know what my feeling is on this, right? Do you know, have we ever had this discussion? Bigfoot's uh, a psychic alien coming to eat us all. No. Oh, that's what somebody told me. Once. That doesn't make it. Um, what, oh, did my? I not say, okay. So, um, so in Silverton, Colorado, you could find this now about two weeks ago. And they, Silverton they is, yeah. Silverton's how far from us? Like two, three hours. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. So. The, they have like a tourist train that goes and there's a video. You could find it online, Bigfoot in Colorado. And there's like a Bigfoot like stomping around the field. And they're like, what is that? You know, but at the same time, <laughs> there's a company right there by the train called um, Sasquatch Expedition Campers. I saw this. And they have a guy that dresses like Bigfoot. That, that like goes, goes around, and waves, yeah. And waves at the train. So it probably wasn't a legitimate Bigfoot <laughs> sighting, but it was still kind of cool because, like, if you watch the video, like, it totally is a guy in a suit, like, totally. But everybody's like, "This is the most like accurate Sasquatch sighting in Colorado." Yeah, I whatever. know, I but, saw that. But come to find out, it's like, yes, the company Sasquatch is like literally. It just found something five really miles tall. Away. Yeah. Oh, they have an employee that does it. That's really oh, tall. Oh, that's really cool. I yeah. wonder. If I wonder if we can book him for like parties and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, he, he does all the marketing stuff. So oh, I love that. No, no, no. Bigfoot, that whole, that, that's real. 
they just they're in Alaska. They're in points north. They're I mean, supposedly they're in Colorado Springs. No, I'm not it buying that. It was on that Unsolved Col- Mysteries. I know, I'm not buying that. I'm just telling you I know. They're in Alaska. Or they could just be people living way off the grid. Tysanke Harbor. I've been there. There's it's, but are they, it's real. Are they Bigfoot up there or are they Wendigo? Because isn't that the no, that's Kushika. The Kushikawu are the um, so it might be the same thing, different. Well, but it, they're they're already a part of. So, they were a part so of like, the vernacular before. So like Bigfoot, white people said they weren't. Like Bigfoot real. is like the missing link, right? Bigfoot is like the between ape and man. It, yeah, I'm and not then, buying that either. But but then I mean considered, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Then the Wendigo is the hunter that kind of goes off the grid too long. And turns oh, into the Wendigo. Yeah, <coughs> I've heard that. I think that's white people's stories. No, no, that's the the native story. Wendigo. It's um, I forget the tribe, but it was a hunter that get lo- that gets caught up in the hunt too far and turns like feral and becomes a Wendigo okay. and transforms. So in the like down here, it's like the Skinwalkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so in the native um, up there, though, so the Clinket and the Haida, the it's Kushtakawu, and it's the they're. Um, like they're a cross between a man and an otter, but they're big. Yes. But Kushtaka is like that's the scary, like that's the the river otter that they'll come and take your soul. Yeah. But the Kushikawu is the animal. And that was already a part of that. Okay. So that was already part of the um before before anybody moved up there, that was you know, they're like, okay, Raven. Bear. Yeah, yeah. Kushikawu. And then the Wendigo is from the Great Lakes natives of oh, the First okay. Nations. Okay. Um, it's a creature with human-like characteristics, which possesses you. So you get possessed by the Wendigo. Yes. And then the Kushiko. Wendigo is said to invoke feelings of insatiable greed and hunger and desire to cannibalize other humans. So that's like the Wendigo. It's like the hunter that gets greedy or whatever goes out there and gets possessed by the spirit and then comes back and starts to eat people. Kushika will take you and then you're kind of in limbo. Like you become one of them. Yeah. And then you and can't, this, like you, this like one you'd like separate you from your family and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to remember, um, do you ever watch the show supernatural? Of course. All that. Yeah. Yes. When the one yes. Go, oh, like, that's oh, right. Just that's right. Too much and got the Winchesters. Possessed. Yeah. So, yeah. so, okay. Okay. So, so what's your next story? So with that, so okay, here's we'll do another kind of more of an urban legend one. Yay. That I th- I don't think we touched on this one, but it reminded me of something when I was asking stories. So we have, um, let me find it here. So it's the the haunted tunnels of Gold Camp Road. So this is in Colorado Springs. I think it's towards the mountain, kind of towards NORAD. And the reason why this came up because I was asking some of my old buddies. Um, because military, like veterans, like love to share like, like weird stories. Like it, it's always like, yeah, man. Like I don't believe in ghosts, but hey, one time I saw this. Right. I don't believe in aliens, and one time I saw this. Right. And what reminded me of this, I was at um, NORAD at the time, just hanging out there for a couple of days for something. <laughs> like I mean, it was it was, was like a TDY. Hanging, no, it, it was. He was just hanging out was, at uh, the most secure place on the planet. I mean, it was like literally in a gate shack, just going up and chatting with some of my fellow mem- mm-hmm. service members mm-hmm. but okay yeah this but, one time um, they were out. they were talking about the um the gold camp road and i never thought about it and then i was pulling up this list of like haunted stuff local stories kind of thing here in colorado and um so okay so there's these roads there 
and there's tunnels. There's like three tunnels by Cheyenne mountain, that kind of area. So I'll just read it verbatim from this okay. Denver Gazette. Kudos to Denver Gazette. Yay, Denver Gazette. Um, so if you're from the Colorado Springs area, there's a good chance that you're well aware of the tunnels at gold camp road, a spectacular drive that carves its way through North Cheyenne Canyon. There are three to- three tunnels in total, one of which is sealed off by huge gates and located past where cars can easily drive. Various stories surround what makes these tunnels haunted, but the story behind what's haunting the third tunnel is the most jarring. This is what I remember. Years ago, this tunnel is said to have collapsed when a school bus collided with it, killing the driver and all of the children aboard. Oh. No one is really sure what happened, but at some point, the driver lost control of the vehicle, slamming into part of the rock. What happened afterwards is also unconfirmed. We know the tunnel collapsed, but whether the falling rock crushed the bus instantly or simply trapped it inside remains unclear. So so they have this tunnel, and it's there. there is a fence around it, and I think I've seen it before, but... So what they used to do, like all the the new guys to the area is like, hey, you want to go see something weird? So they said that you would pull up to the tunnel at night, turn Mm. off all your lights, turn off your car, put it in neutral, and your car would move. So if you park by by the tunnel and put your car in neutral your car would slowly move oh, and yeah. then you like hit the brakes and you know, like put it back in gear and go out and look. And there's going to be like little kids handprints on your car, like oh. they're pushing it. And then they also say that if it's quiet enough, you can hear kids screaming, laughing, you know, like saying weird stuff that comes out of the tunnel. Oh. And so they always used to dare people to go up there and do they, Of course you tell the story and then you go up there and park now, a lot of times I'm sure they would have people hide and you turn everything off and they start to push your car. But that's like, that was the thing. And I, I also remember in high school, they, some, uh, we'll say gangsters did it. They're like, no, go up and do this. And then, you know, it turned into a whole thing. And like, that was a thing for in high school for everybody to go up there right, and try right, to right. do this and they'd scare you and stuff. So that, that's kind of a local one that I don't think we went out over. But so I, I was asking some more and there's a few that I remember from back in the day that were really weird. So the, the big one from Afghanistan is the giant of Kandahar. Um, the what? The so giant? allegedly there's giants that live in Afghanistan. Now these giants are from the biblical times, right? Because that area is like from, you know, Christian from the book Jewish, of Enoch, right? You know, Islamic, to even predating that with the yes. Greeks and the Romans and the Tibetans, like they've all been there. So you, you have Afghanistan and there's like the religious culture of Afghanistan, like literally hits all religions. Like every religion on earth has been in Afghanistan, right? So there's a legend that there's these caves because Afghanistan is full of caves that there's giants that live there. So this is going back against like David versus the Goliath. Like right. that's a giant from that area and stuff. So allegedly there was a a patrol in the mountains and they're clearing out Taliban and stuff. And I've never talked to anybody that has anything to do with this, but it's out there. Um, They think there's Taliban in a cave. Um, One army unit goes in, they lose communication. So then they send in the Rangers. So there's a Ranger unit. Um, I forget what detachment or whatever it was. And they went and they're like looking in the cave and they thought it was Taliban in there. And supposedly, like, somebody was kind of, like, walking in, and they're going to clear it out, and, like, a giant spear goes through the guy. And then 
this, yeah, they're like, what the heck, you know? And and like, everybody's freaking out and they're pulling back and this giant comes out like this 20 foot tall guy, like looks no offense, but like a homeless person beard. Sure. 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 Yeah. Loincloth. And he starts fighting him and it takes like this whole ranger unit to take this guy down. And then when they do, they call it in and supposedly helicopters came in and picked up the giant and like, nobody could say anything after that, that they killed this giant down there. So that's one that you can find it on the internet. It's everywhere. I think they're making a movie of it or they have made a movie of it. So can you imagine that would be super creepy? And then after all of this and you've gone through this really harrowing, completely unexpected, they're like, yeah. we understand, but you have to shut up about it for the rest of your life. What is the probability that everybody's going to shut up about yeah. that and no one's going to ever say internet, anything? And really that's why it's on the internet. Because everything on the internet is true. Everything. Um, so there's that one. So so a few other people I asked, um, there was one guy, actually I, I was in the Mideast with him at the time. And we're like telling creepy stories like, yeah, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? And he said um, he was in, I think it was in England. So there's some military bases in England. They test a lot of stuff. Um, There was like, again, going back to UFOs, there were like UFO sightings there. And it turned out to be like the F-117 stealth fighter or the B-2 bomber and stuff. And they were flying it out in England. But there is an island in England where um, during World War II, they were testing chemical warfare, that sort of thing, like the bad stuff. Yeah. It was either World War One or World War Two, and they tested anthrax on the island. So before that, they tested like mustard gas, all this crazy stuff, and it would kill a lot, and then everything would come back. And then I guess what they, do you mean it would kill a lot? Like it, like the wildlife oh, okay, and stuff. Okay, it would okay. decimate it, and then a year later, like plants would grow back, and there would be like bugs and stuff. So supposedly they tested anthrax there, and it just like wiped everything out and never came back. Um, but there there's a research facility there, and I think it is chemical weapons or biological chemical nuclear weapons research because army still has that that branch i think it's one of the airborne units the symbol is a dragon on it but they just fight like chemical warfare so if you're rolling up to a country and they have like mustard gas like this unit comes in and they get rid of it and like oh yeah yeah, yeah. stuff um and then they're also testing stuff to like neutralize it um i'm not going to say they're testing new stuff but they probably are and um, so anyway, this this guy, I know he was in the he was in either an MP or Air Force Security Forces, probably Air Force Security Forces. And when you're security forces, MP, anything like that. So your basic job on a base is to make sure the base is secure. Right. OK. So a lot of the, the Air Force bases and Army bases, they had what was like a, a map in their CQ or like their command area. And so every door is alarmed on base. Okay. So, and think back, this technology was probably put in in like the 60s and didn't change till like five years ago. So even when I was in, this was the standard technology. So you have this light board and a map. And if a door's not locked or a door's open, a red light comes up. So, I mean, it's just like a light bulb on a map. It's okay. like a map of all the buildings, all that every door has a light bulb or every entrance has okay, a light bulb. Light okay. And then if it's not shut, it's like, you know, a red light. And then, so their job is to go. And what, like I was trained to do, it's, you go to the building, you go, you say like, you know, you report in, 
just like a police officer, say, yep, the door's open. You have people secure the building, so you secure the perimeter, somebody watch the door. And then you have to go in room to room and secure it to make sure nobody's in there doing what they're not supposed to do. Like so that. somebody forgets, that's why you're crazy yeah. about locking doors. Yeah, and, and anybody that's been in the Air Force, yeah. when you cross the line on the flight line, you'll know what I'm talking about, where they'll tackle you if you just step over a stupid yellow line on the cement. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the doors. It's like you leave a door open and if there's a door unsecure and you're in a building, they're going to tackle you and handcuff you and make sure you should be there. Right. So this right. guy, um, we'll call him doc. Um, he goes in and they, they secure the perimeter. He goes in the building and he's searching and there's people in the building. They're walking around and it's a research facility. So it's like, you know, dudes in lab coats, uniform, whatever, okay. walking around. He's like, hey. And they're kind of looking at him weird. And they just, like, like ignored him. And he's like, hey, stop. And he went in this room. And he opened this room. And there was the way he described it, where there were gorillas on a table with their legs off. Uh-uh. With, like, wires sticking out of their brain and their legs and, like, robot arms on them. And, like, he was like freaked out he's like what the heck's going on here and they're like you cannot be in here and then like some colonel came he's like you need to get out now and like ushered him out of the room Uh -uh. and took him out and uh they were like yeah you can't say anything about this and he was like and this would have been late 90s that he saw this and i trust the guy like i know he's not making it up he's like dude that was the craziest thing i've ever seen and like and they came to him after that and they're like you know, don't say anything about this. Like, the, you know, he never signed an NDA, so I'm talking about it now. And he told a lot of people about it. He's like, he's like, I was just sick to my stomach. It was like all oh, these animal horrible. robot hybrids in there and like weird Whoa. stuff going on. I was like, wow. So that that was one. Um, so another one that happened, and I kind of experienced this a little bit, but not, not like 100%. So... So when you're deployed back in 2001 in the Mideast, um, we had sensors. So when you set up like a bear base or like you're out somewhere where there's nobody at, like there, there are certain like security measures you can set up to control an area. Um, one of which were TAS and MID. So it's like these um, passive microwave sensors, which I don't think they use too much because I think they really hurt you. So it's like a microwave beam. You set up like a receiver here. And then like a beam here and anything that crosses it, it sets off an alarm. So anything that goes through, it's like an invisible fence. Um, Come to find out they're like really not good for you. So like people are setting them up and standing in front of them and it's like, you know, waist high and you're standing in front of a microwave emitter. Yeah, right. Like probably not a great idea. VA will say it's not service connected that you have cancer in your midsection, but (laughs) just kidding. Sorry. Um, (laughs) So, so like one other thing, cause they were, I, I think that technology was really old and, and then the thermal imaging technology started to like really become more compact. So they had what were called Wisties. So Wistie was basically a thermal camera. It's about the size of a toaster, right? Maybe a little bigger, like, I don't know, like a foot, foot by a foot and maybe six inches high with this like big round. It looks like a metal ball on it. And you would run these towers up so you could put it on top of a Humvee. You can have um, 
you can have like a tower, like, a, you know, if you look at military base, they really have the watchtowers, yeah. the LPOPs yeah. around it. So people, the guards could look like a guard tower at a prison. So they would run them up on this pole and they'd go up. I forget the exact yards, but it was like, you know, 20 feet high or something like that. And that allows it to like see further on the horizon. And it was a thermal camera that could zoom in. Um, you had a little control box. This was before flat screens and stuff. So it was this like cyber yeah. punk, steampunk looking thing with the screen. <laughs> you had right. a joystick and basically you could like turn this camera around anyway and see anything in the distance, right? Thermal. Um, and it was thermal. In- it was all thermal. Okay. And um, thermal does not see through glass, by the way, which nobody knows. Um, so like in the movies and like video games when you have like a thermal true. camera, it can't see through glass. So you want to get a thermal camera, surround yourself in glass. Mythbusters did it because they had thermal cameras to rob a bank and they just made literally a glass box and they could walk through it and the camera would not see them. <gasps> Nobody knows that. But yeah, thermal. Now you do. Yeah, infrared's better, like night vision, but like for glass, thermal does not see through glass. Interesting. Um, it Like when you look at a building, you could see like the pipes in the walls and if there's glass, it's just a blank box but at some at some point this is going to become really important information yes or a thermal blanket like one of those silver ones that firefighters use oh, yeah, 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 yeah i can't see through that either but you look like a blank spot so it can't oh, tell it's, it's like yeah it's just the, yeah it'd be like a blank you spot, look like, like oh glitch. somebody's there right. um, okay anyways. A, a, anyway so but they're really really good at seeing the most minute things from i think it was like 20 miles away you could like see if somebody is out there um we'd get false signals a lot and then send people out to see if somebody's there and i don't mean like a little blob like bloop like an animal it would be like hey it looks like three people are standing there oh and like nobody you get out there and there'd be then they just there. disappear and stuff so it's always like yeah I just misread it or it was like an air vent because you know stuff leaks out of the ground and especially in the mountains and like weather and stuff affects it okay but what was really weird when you would have like two or three of them looking at one area and you'd still see stuff there and then people would go out there and not see it you know and that would happen a lot and i and they would just say like it's something it's an environmental issue it's a glitch but if you have three of them looking at it and like hey there's something right there and then you get within 20 feet of it and then it disappears that's weird that's creepy so this guy um and i was i was in with him and um, he said they had one in, I think it was Afghanistan. I don't think it was Iraq. And this would have been 2003, 2004-ish before they had better stuff. Because later they had more, like, acoustic sensors. Like, you know, it, it got better instead of just this, like, camera on a pole. And he said they watched three people, and it was about half a mile away. They saw three people crawl up, it looked like, and then stand up. And start walking, right? And so this is outside of the the wire, like outside of the base. So this would have okay. been a, a forward operating base. So it's like, you know, a box where everybody's in and there's nothing outside of it. It's not like in the green zone where there's a city or whatever. It's like literally in the middle of nowhere. And they're just looking for people trying to sneak up. So they saw three people. And, and a lot of times in Afghanistan and even Iraq and these places you have, like, it's very nomadic. So not everybody that's out there is a bad guy. You have people right. that have just been wandering right, around right, for right. years. Like people that would say like, oh, we're still at war with the Soviets. It's like, no, we're not. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, okay, well, I'm a goat herder. So they're not like killing everything that pops up on this thing, right? It's not like the movies, which I've been watching a lot of movies where it's like, hey, kill everybody. Anyway, yeah. side 
tangent. So they sent out, um, I, I think it was, uh, yeah, it would have been an Air Force base. So they sent out like an element to go out there. So they call it for the Air Force folks out there, like a patrol element. Um, probably four guys, three guys, whatever. And they're watching them and they, they pulled the, you know, they, they bring the Humvee up. And so they have that and providing overwatch. And then, you know, they're within, they guide them in. They're like, no, they're, they're like a hundred yards in front of you. And they're like, we can't see anything. They have night vision on. They're like, they're right in front of you. So then three guys get out and they kind of go around or four guys get out and they're like, where are they at? And they're like, they're literally right in front of you. And they're like, there's nothing in front of us. And they had night vision on. And they're like, you're looking at. And like he said, they even had, like they pointed. They're like, I'm going to reach my hand out and point. Tell me if I'm pointing in the right direction. <laughs> and he said he reached his hand out and pointed. And he was down, like kneeling. They're like, the the person is like five feet in front of you. Oh, my god! And he's like, and again, they had night vision on. There's like nobody in front of us. And they're like, well, we're seeing it. And he's like, you're seeing it wrong. And so they had two cameras looking at it, and both cameras saw it. They're like, no, they're right in front of you. So oh he's like, he, he was like, F it, I'm just going to stand up. And he stood up and started walking forward. And they said the three figures ran and disappeared. Oh, oh. And he's like, we never, and saw, never anything. saw anything. And they had lights. He, Oh, yeah. And that was the other thing. He was like, it was all night vision. And he's like, I'm going to stand up and look. And they turned on their lights. And he's like, there's nobody in front of us. And then oh. the, the two thermal cameras saw him run. That, that is creepy. Again, this that is all is so secondhand scary. information, but the guy that told me this, like, he's like, no, this is like legit. He's like, you could even call the people I was with and they'll verify the whole thing. All and right. he said, and he said they were, oh, and then they had, um, they had video of it. I was like, do you have the video? So not video from the camera. Like somebody had a camcorder and filmed the Damn, screen the, yeah. and was like, look, we're not crazy. Cause he also, he also said he thought they were messing with them. Oh yeah. And he's he, like, they're like, no, cool. they like filmed it. And he saw the tape and he's like, we were like right in front. Like I could have touched the person standing oh, and it wasn't like a blob. It wasn't like a weird thing. It was like three people in front of him. And, and then they, they got on off. camera as soon as they stood, he stood up and started walking toward him. They all, yeah. They, he said they ran and, and he just didn't hear anything. Just like, no, nothing, nothing at all. Oh, but from gosh. two different of these thermal cameras, they saw this. That is creepy. In. All right. So I know, do you have one, one more? Um, I might. Uh, okay, so I, I have a lot. I know Chad Vorthman is listening, and so yes. a lot of of our other listeners will be will, will be mad at me if I don't ask you, Brian McCain. What's the weirdest thing you ever saw? I mean, that man in black thing is kind of weird. <laughs> like, That's not the weirdest thing you've ever seen, though. Um, <sighs> I thought about this because I was trying to think. There's like, I mean, there there's like very random coincidences that seem to be more than coincidences that I think everybody experiences these. It's kind of like when you were like, Hey, I haven't called. Hey, we'll bring up Michelle Gardner. Like you're like, yeah. I haven't talked to Michelle Gardner in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she calls you Yeah, right then. Or, you know, the, there's that stuff that happens that, that is that a coincidence? Also, are you thinking, Along with somebody, and you know them enough that they, it pops up in their head, like right, patterns right, you're going right, through. Because right. um, so, I mean, that we do that a lot. Like if, yeah, if we yeah. haven't heard from each other by like around eight o'clock, that's yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean. So, yeah, so there's yeah, yeah. that aspect of it. But one really, this is like, this is so bizarre. And, and again, it's like 
it's coincidences. Like it's just a coincidence, but it's so weird. And this isn't even like a spooky story. So I was in um, German class. I took German in middle school. So my, my mom, my mom lived in Germany growing up because my grandpa was in the Marines and then he went into the air force. And so he did 10 years in the Marines Oh, actually, I do have another story about that. Okay, I, yeah. I, but he he did our eight years in the Marines and then like 12 years in the Air Force. And his family hates him because he has like 15 brothers and sisters. And um, they, they're all Marines and he left the Marines to go in the Air Force. Oh. One reason why he did that is because if he, if he transferred to the Air Force, he was allowed to go to Germany for six to eight years. And he wanted to go to Germany. Okay. And... Um, he went to Germany. They actually lived off base for a while, okay. which was insane back in the 70s because that's yeah. when there were still bombings and stuff. Yeah. Um, so he lived off base. So my my mom and uncle and aunts, they lived in Germany. And I think they lived there for six years. So they made really good friends with this family there. And when I got to high school, went to Germany kind of as a pseudo foreign exchange student where I got out of some of my semester here to go live there. And it was with my family friends. Right. So it's like with the people that in my family and always come and visit us. They're like, Brian, you need to come out to Germany. It's like, okay, I'm going to go out to Germany for like four months. I got off from high school. I got like high school credit because the, luckily the lady that I was staying with, my family's friend was a high school teacher. And she's like, Oh no, I'm going to teach them all this stuff. Oh, nice. And, um, so we, so I was going into German and I had German homework. The only homework I had when I was in Germany was German homework from German class in high school, which is bizarre. Like that was the only requirement is that I, I take these German tests. And so I'm like, Oh man, I don't have, like I left the test and I literally flew home and I was going to go back to school like two days after I got home. And I freaked out cause I left my German tests at home. And I mean, it was a lot, it was like, you know, two months of high school homework, you know? Oh yeah. And I was like, dang it. Like why? I like this sucks. Cause I'm going to go home and I'm going to fail German, German while I yeah. was in Germany. <laughs> like, you know, one of those stupid things. Right. And I was at the Frankfurt airport getting ready to fly home. And one of my friends from middle school who was also in the German class, I'm like walking through the airport and I was like, Jeremy. And he's like, Brian, what? And I ran into this guy that I went through sixth, seventh, and eighth grade with, who was yeah. in my German class in ninth grade. Okay. And I ran into him in the airport two days before I would be home and have to have my homework due. And I was like, holy cow. And I, it was weird because I was like, I know that guy. And I like, go talk to him. And I'm talking to him. He's like, he's like, hey. And he, I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm flying out here for my family and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm flying home. And I get it. It's like the airport. Like, that's right. not so weird. And um, he's like, did you do your your German homework? And I'm like, no. And he's like, I brought an extra copy. Shut and I was up. Like, no way. He's like, yeah. So he gives me the homework and I do it on the plane back. The universe loves you, Brian McKinney. So then I get back. And then, so I, I stayed with my family friends. And then they had friends. And one of the kids was my age. His name was Peter. They're like, you want to go stay at Peter's house? He's your age, you know? And I'm like, yeah, like, why not? Yeah. And I like, got to be really good friends with this guy. And he's like, and he didn't know where I was from. And um, he's like, calls me up like two years later. And I still talk to him. We would mail as before, like, internet, you know, Facebook and all this stuff. This would have been like 94-ish. And um, 
he writes to me. He's like, hey, I'm coming to the United States. I go, oh, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm playing racquetball. And it was for, like, he was on, like, a racquetball scholarship program or something like that. It's like, yeah, they're sending me to this university. He's like, I don't have anywhere to stay. I'm like, oh, where are you going? He's like, Pueblo, Colorado. And I'm like, right there. (laughs) So then he comes back, and I'm like, what the heck's going on here? So do you still speak German? I've Just never heard very you. little. I've yeah, never heard very, speak very little. But it, it was like a weird set of coincidences that all tied together. And then even when I got married, like both of those families were coming through Denver at the same time and they came to my wedding and it was just random. Like they're like, Hey, I hadn't heard from Peter in like years. And, and he was like, Hey, I'm in Denver this weekend. And I got it. Well, he was a pilot. So he was flying back and forth from Germany He was like a FedEx pilot or something like that, but he had to get his hours in in the United States. So he'd come to the United States and fly around. He's like, yeah. He's like, where are you at? Like, I'm flying from Denver to Pueblo tomorrow. And I'm like, it's my wedding. So it's like just coincidence after coincidence Coincidence. with these, like this German connect. Yeah. You guys are all connected. So that's not spooky, but that's like the most random weird thing that's happened. So we don't, I don't think we give enough credit to the fact that we're all connected Mm -hmm. in ways we know and in ways we don't know. I knew I met so many people in Germany that had some random connection to like Colorado and knew of things I was talking about. And then I I knew even the connection thing, it was like, again, coincidences, but it's still weird, you know, like rapid city, South Dakota. Like I went to high school with somebody from South Dakota and I went to South Dakota to visit my uncle and they were neighbors with them. And then Idaho falls the same way, like all these random, I just wish that would like, pen out for the lottery or something <laughs> a weird coincidence but well that we're i think we're out of time yes yeah, about 48 minutes we got some more time oh we got oh more. give me one more give me one, one really more. good one one okay. that's gonna keep me the one that i'm gonna keep that's gonna really creep me out um so uh so so my grandpa um Oh, this is this is a long one. This might take like two whole episodes. So my my grandma, my mom's mom, my grandma Betty, okay, and my grandpa Butt. Um, my grandma Betty was the daughter of my grandma Schmick. My grandma Schmick is not actually my blood grandmother. So my grandpa Schmick was in, and this is in Pennsylvania, in um, Philadelphia or outside of Philadelphia. My grandpa Schmink was a World War II guy, um, got, like, hit on a ship. They thought he was dead. Um, like, basically threw him in with a bunch of bodies. The ship got shelled still, and he was alive, and he came out. It was never right since, like, basically lost his hearing. He, had, he could barely hear. Um, PTSD, really bad. Yeah. Became a judge, um, remarried, or got married, and then that was my real great grandmother. And then she's like, Hey, I'm going to go to the store. You guys want anything to the kids? And then just disappeared off the face of the earth. Never figured out what happened to her, but he was also a judge and he owned, um, a broom factory. And it was where the Betty broom comes after is named after my grandmother. So the Betty broom, which was the red straw brooms that used yeah. to be back in the day, that's the Betty broom that's named after my grandma. And they own an American <laughs> flag company, like the largest one. And so he remarries my grandma Schmick. And I think actually my grandma Schmick, her family owned that stuff. So he might have married into that. But he was a judge, kind of a corrupt judge. He was the um, 
the the main mason for the country okay and my my grandma schmick was for the country yeah for the country he was okay like whatever the grand you, i don't know i don't know like but all my yeah. family's into masons until I my parents that's generation no small and they're thing. like blame yeah and, and then my my grandma schmick was the um president or whatever the eastern stars which is the 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 wife version of the masons you know so she was like the in charge of the eastern stars my grandpa was in charge of the masons and all this stuff and uh probably a corrupt judge they owned a hotel it had a lot of weird rooms in it and secret rooms we go stay out there as kids and like he was tied with the unions and supposedly the mob and like i mean you could google it like george schmick and like it comes up like weird stuff from the 50s 60s i will be googling that Um, later yeah but so my grandma betty and my uncle gb um they lived in a hotel like very nice hotel they had like their own room and stuff and i i had to look this up too so my grandma when i was little she's like oh yeah there's aliens like they come in and abduct people all the time that happened to us i'm like five like what you know, and she's like, you should watch these unsolved mysteries and like the movie communion and read these books. And so they claim, and my grandma, she's a little, she's like, I probably remembered it wrong. I was young, like whatever. I don't know what to believe, but my uncle GB like wholeheartedly believes this. So she, and he said that they would be at home alone. It would be like, they'd be playing outside. They go in and sit there and the hotel was kind of on this hill. They had like a swimming pool, but it was like, there was an orchard and like kind of a Valley. Like they they were well off there. And they said they would see spaceships land and people would get out and then they would go to bed. And my uncle GB said they would take them on the spaceships. And I'm like, I'm first off, I'm like five and they're telling me these stories, probably where my weird fascination with UFOs came from. Maybe. Yes. And like terrified. Like I was terrified growing up that like there was aliens and they're going to, especially if you were going out to visit them and staying at this hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and and they swear to it by this day. And, um, so I finally, like my family, like my aunts and uncles are like, we're going to like, we're calling BS on this. Like, I don't know if it was like a traumatic childhood that's causing them to think this and like abandonment or like fantasy and stuff. So we pulled it up about um, five years ago and there's like multiple news reports of like flying saucers seen in there and like all the stuff that, Uh -uh. yeah, that's like on point with it. With grandma Betty. Yeah. And and, um, so that's weird. And then my, my grandpa Bud, so he went from the Marines to the Air Force and his first duty station in the Air Force. So he went from like, you know, Marine Corps infantry, like everybody's rifleman. He was like, I'm going to make a living off of this. So I went to the Air Force and he did like HVAC, which was like a new thing in the 60s and stuff. So he got stationed at Quantico, first in the Marines, transferred to the Air Force, and then got stationed at the White House. So he was under um, the JFK administration. Okay. And so he would, he would, I mean, back in the day, it's like, you'd think this is lame, but it was like, He's like, yeah, I did the air conditioning in the um, the White House. And he's like, I did, like, all this stuff. And um, he's like, I, like, he's like, I put on the, like, cooling system on JFK's yacht. And, and I'm like, man, that was, like, the days when the, you know, right. you just get somebody to do it. But, like, it's pretty cool. So he had yeah. this, like, whole, 
and he loves history and he loves the civil war and he loves metal detecting. He still goes metal detecting. Um, you know, he has like a civil war collection that I've never seen anything like it. And like, he has some Washington campaign buttons that they got like at the inauguration. It's like on, um, national treasure. And he's like, I have the fifth button. She's like, nobody's found the fifth button kind of BS. Cause there's yeah. a lot of them out there, but he has like that button and stuff. And, um, so he's out there and he's at Quantico and he's at the white house and doing all this stuff. And I, my mom was born in West Virginia during that time too. And, um, he said they went on a road trip cause he'd love to travel again, right. taking the kids to Germany and living off base yeah, and, like, traveling yeah. and stuff like any service members listen to this, like get off base and go see stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not so much now it's not as safe, but, um, they, they went on a road trip and he was like, yeah, there was like, I thought it was a plane cause he also worked around the U2s, the U2 planes. Okay. And, um, the U2s are the Dragon Lady planes. Right. So they were the spy planes. One was, was shot down they, and At stuff. that time, they were the yeah, most so he cutting was, edge yeah, so he, technology. He yeah. worked around them because he had his clearance. And um, they were they were leaving on a road trip. And he saw like something. And he's like, is that a U2 flying low? Like, what is it? And I guess my grandma was like, they're coming back after me. And like freaked out and like passed out in the car. And he's like, yeah. he's like, it was like, it was weird. He's like, I could see windows on it. And then it just disappeared and like flew off. What? But, um, but yeah, he worked on, he worked on the U2s or with the U2s and then he came to Colorado and he was stationed at NORAD and it was back in the day, like this would have been the seventies, late seventies. Cause I think he retired in 79 ish when my mom was born or when I was born. I mean, I'm not that young. I wish my mom was born <laughs> in 79. And, um, he tells like back in the day at NORAD that was 50, 50 men and women. So at NORAD? Yeah. So if you worked at NORAD, um it was fifty fifty men and women. Yes, because in case That's there was a nuclear a little war. Uncom- yeah. To yeah, repopulate the earth. It. And they were all paired up with somebody. And so he would say <laughs> he had this like very angry tech sergeant that was his partner and stuff. That's but a, but he that's continued really he, even out of the service he still worked there because he took us on tours of NORAD growing up so I I went like three times as a kid and got a tour of NORAD and all that how many times have you been to NORAD a lot a like, lot it's been a long time since I've been there but before they closed it down because they yeah. moved it yeah I mean it's open they go back and forth but um but yeah and then he went after that he went to the Mideast. East he worked he worked in Saudi Arabia and Pakistan and those places and and like is he still around. Mm-hmm. He's still around. Let's get him on the show. Yeah, he's uh, he's got some very interesting stories and some really weird stuff. So would he seen. say that there is a tunnel between DIA and NORAD? Underground? No, there's not a tunnel between there's DIA not, and NORAD. Not no. underground tunnel between DIA and NORAD? No, but there is from like the Air Force Academy probably to oh, yeah. NORAD to Pearson oh, yeah. and stuff. No, there, there's a whole underground tram system. Like I've actually been and seen it and nobody remembers it and the tunnels are collapsed. But I think they set it up. Originally, I think they planned to have this Cold War bunker where they can move, but I don't think anything was ever finished, and it's just there. So DIA is weird, but... Um, well, you know, I did the mural there, the New World Order mural. You did Did that? I talk about this on the show? No. But so, there's a show about how weird that is. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, what do you mean you did that? Yeah, so Leo Tanguma was the artist that did that, and what he would do is go into impo- impo- impoverished communities, and he would have... High school students, like low income families. He's he's a, a Latino activist and okay. he's like he's like, We're here to take care of Latinos 
and he's an artist and he's a muralist. So if anybody knows the history of muralism, it like really starts in, in Spain and Mexico. So like murals are huge in Mexico. Mural, murals yeah, yeah, are, yeah. You know, and it's very political. Like, yep. And, and they're getting back to that now. So he would go around and he did one at um, USC at the time, CSU Pueblo, but prior to CSU Pueblo. So we did one and it was about um, domestic violence. Because at the time in Pueblo, there was like a, a lot of like crazy domestic violence right. going on. This would have been 99, 2000-ish. Yeah. And so they, he came in and he was uh, an instructor. So, you know, they do instructors where it's like a special session or whatever, where you could take a class, get three credits and do two weeks in the right, summer. Right, right. So he came down and he did a mural. And um, I, what I did instead of paint, I painted a little bit and drew on it. Um, but he got the art students and then he got high schoolers to come and contribute to this mural. And the idea was like, you know, and domestic violence, but he lets the teenagers come up with the mural and the message on it. Right. Okay. And so I filmed it instead of like drawing, I was like, this would be more interesting to film because I knew they were going to set it up and it was in the cafeteria for a while and everybody hated it. And, um, I'm like, yeah, you get a bunch of high schoolers around, they're going to draw like skeletons and like demons and stuff. And that's what they did. Yeah. And I'm like, we got to film this. So I, I worked. So instead of like actively painting, I did, I drew a little bit on it. But I filmed the whole thing and interviewed him and what it was about. And he was he was cool as heck. And he's done a lot in Colorado. And, and he's a veteran. So, like, he was more interested in the veteran stuff, which he's this community activist, Latino activist, that type of thing. And then he's, like, all veteran, too. And, like, he was really interested in that. So I was in the military at the time. I It was pre-September 11th. But, okay. But I was still, like, taking classes here and there and, like, getting ready to go back to training. And um, he's like, hey, I'm doing the the Denver, the DIA mural. He's like, when it's time, do you want to come and help with that? And he's like, I'd love to like film it. Cause I did a, I, it was like my first professional filming job that uh-huh. I did and, and it came out really cool. And um, he's like, would you like to come up and film it or help? And I was like, yeah. So that he got commissioned to do this mural and the, the idea was DIA was the biggest airport on earth Yeah, or in the country. I can't remember. It was like, one, it, it was yeah. like, it was the biggest airport in North America it might have been the world. I forget, but it was and there's also so much like weird, unexplained, odd things about this airport. Yeah, sort of. I think it's just what happens when a bureaucracy like tries to make a luggage system. But um, <laughs> what 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 happened was he got it, at the time like a lot of the Denver high school and college kids were very low income, and it was like bad. And so he did this community art project. He did one in Castle Rock. He did one in Aurora. He did a ton around Denver. They got the commission for the Denver mural. And the idea was, this is an international airport, and we're putting everything aside, and this is where we come together. It's in the middle of the United States, which is the melting pot, and we don't care about race, religion, creed. Like, leave it all behind. We're all coming here. We're all in it as one. Let's throw – he would always say, like, let's throw down our arms and join hands. The children are the future. Oh, yeah. So what happens when you get also let me let me add this tidbit into so a lot of the high school kids and college kids that he got to help with this mural they were in trouble so it was not oh, like your average high school right. was like in a lot of trouble he's looking at a sort of a, a yeah, lifeline outlet, something yeah, yeah something and a to lot give of them. these kids were in trouble for tagging at the time okay and so he's like all right guys let's get together paint this huge mural and we want to say like you know the armies are evil and the militaries are evil and the corporations are evil. And this is all about coming together and joining hands. 
So, of course, they painted, like, dudes with gas masks and swords. Oh, my gosh. There is no controversy behind it. It was a bunch of dumbass high schoolers that like to paint, like, scary skeletons and scary people and army dudes and robots. So, I love those shows or YouTube or Netflix or whatever where they're like, and look at this, and this is this weird thing about DA, and this is this weird thing about DA, and this is weird thing. Of course, you would have worked on that. Every single day with you. It's something but, else with you every day. I mean, I worked on a lot with him because he's a Colorado artist. But but at the same time, like when I laugh at those because, yeah, what's going to happen when you get a bunch of like high school delinquents together for spray painting like <laughs> skeletons and dudes with machine guns on a wall and it say, hey, point a, paint a mural creepy. with like soldiers on it. And I heard they got rid of half of it. I don't think only half of it's there. But all the conspiracies is like, look, it's like Israel and Palestine which is going on now, like at the front and like, it's the corporations like over the kids. I'm like, no, it's like, Hey, like paint a bunch of evil adults and the kids joining hands. There you go. That was it. No conspiracy. Like I have probably 12 hours of video recorded on that whole project. That is hilarious. And and it was, I mean, it was like so bad where he's like, you cannot paint naked women on this. <laughs> like that type of thing. <laughs> Oh my but the gosh. one that we did at CS or USC at the time, it was like a guy punching a girl and it was against domestic violence. And it was like, when are you going to rise up? And it's like a guy like smashing a girl's face. Around. It's oh like, and everybody's like, this is pretty evil. And I'm like, that's not the point. But again, you get like 30 high schoolers together in trouble for painting bad stuff. And you tell them to paint bad stuff. What are they going to paint? No conspiracy behind that. So there's like five years between us, like five years yeah. difference. And maybe we grew up in, for the most part, maybe thirty miles apart. Yeah, we had very, very, very different upbringings. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's the whole that whole mural. And I gosh, I hope Leo's still alive. He's such a good, soft spoken guy. Oh, I want to um, meet him. He, but he was that is a there. creepy mural. Yeah, like I remember looking at this and going, I don't know what's happening here. As I was running through the airport at one point, you know, you go through the airport and then yep. I saw this, this, what do we call it? There's a document, actually, like a documentary. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, actually the Colorado sun just released an article on the true story of the murals at Denver international airport. <sighs> and it, it says this basically what I just said. I didn't Shut know up. this was out there 28 years ago. Yeah. That is weird. All right, so we're going to share the link. Let's share the link to Yeah, I will. I'm saying, um, yeah, I mean, there's political stuff behind it. In, in like, and you're like, it's not. It was just yeah. this really good-hearted artist trying to give some So we did. I, I remember this. And I, and I mean, I didn't, outlet. I didn't actually, actually, I didn't really work. I just filmed some of it and added my two cents to it and touched some stuff up. But um yeah, I said we did have a few people come in at the time we were painting it. They said, don't paint this. There's a new world order. We had no idea what they were talking about back then. Um, as soon as the conspiracy theories began, Tenguma lost two valuable commissions, and according to Darlene, both of them were harassed, even death threats. What? You need to destroy the art. Yeah, I mean, it's... People can get kind of crazy. Yeah, it, it's again, it's like this is the community. It, again, it's 
that's ironic that the, another coincidence this just came out children of the world dream in peace that was the title of the mural and i think they took half of it down they and did. again it was about connecting colorado to the rest of the world <laughs> i don't like he, he says he painted it because we're kids painting it anyway that's him right there so you'd say oh yeah anyway so that's uh, yeah so i don't know if that was a good halloween episode or there's a couple things that creeped me out if i see i only ever see like there's there's one man i always see he's in a fedora but they're different colored fedoras he's a very cool cat there's a man in black that is creepy like that is weird weird. that is pretty weird yeah um but, well, thanks so much. Um, we appreciate uh, all of our listeners, and we did this one especially for you. We had a few people say, well, what are you going to do with your Halloween episode? So, and the views and opinions expe- expressed on Making Action Happen do not reflect the views and opinions of Action 22, its board, or its membership. Yeah. And uh, that includes with uh, FEMA and Men in Black and UFOs, <laughs> and the New World Order, and all that stuff. <laughs> and even... Bigfoot, and which Bigfoot. actually is real. Maybe. Nope. It's. I mean, the Air Force Academy kids said they saw Bigfoot up there. That's another I think story. They might be drinking. That might have no. been an excuse to get. I'm just telling away. you, it's I real. I don't know. They can't we'll drink. see you guys next time. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.